0: Uh, Please go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, and let's all stand and read God's Word together. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Lord, we pray that you would take the seed that is your word, Lord, and embed it deep in our hearts, Lord, that we might be like-minded with you, God. Lord, we thank you for the preservation of your word, and uh, Lord, uh, today we pray that you would do nothing more than change us permanently forever. It's a simple task for you, God, uh, but it's impossible for us without you. So Lord, we uh, do pray that you would take this word and make it fruitful um, in your kingdom, in the world and in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Father, we, uh, we do pray that you would change us, Lord, permanently today. Uh, Lord, we submit to you and Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself in a new way today. And cause us to be ruined to our past and to this world. Lord, but help us to place all of our faith upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Has anyone ever heard the phrase, you knew better than to do that? Right? So I'll tell you a little story. When I was a junior in high school, a friend of mine named Eric... Uh, there was a rule in the uh, wood shop class that I took. There, the rule was was there is absolutely no horseplay whatsoever. Whatsoever. And so I had taken shop since the seventh grade. And so I knew the rules. So as a junior, I knew exactly how my teacher was going to react to this. But Eric and I <coughs> were starting to get stronger, I guess, as young men. And we were kind of like two bulls in the china shop. So we were in the classroom area of the wood shop. And our school was quite old and quite small. There were, I think I was a graduating class of like 54. And so in in this old building, it was an old stone building, and there were single pane glass. You remember the glass that's like put inside the metal frame and then there's this hard caulk that goes around. It's just a single pane glass. Very simple, but yet hard to replace, right? So. Every once in a while, you would see him, and there's like the different colored caulk in there, like someone had thrown a rock or something, a lawnmower had broken a window. Well, Eric and I were wrestling in the classroom, and <clears throat> I remember forcing him backwards, and his back cracked the glass in the shop room. And immediately, you ever get that hot flash, like behind your ears, like, oh, no. And, uh, and that's what I got. I knew that I was in trouble. Now the rule was was that there was no horseplay, so immediately my mind is like, How can I get out of this? Oh, I can't. I can I cannot get out of this. And so I knew I was sunk, and Eric did too. And so he and I got to go to the principal's office. And so Melvin Bailey was our principal and he was a good man. He was about six foot five, two fifty, two sixty, and he he swung a very heavy paddle and back in those days. So you kids don't realize that we used to get paddlings, and we got a lot of mileage out of that. And we stayed out of a lot of trouble because we could get spanked very hard with a wooden paddle. So, <laughs> amen, right? I think sometimes there's some of that that needs to happen. But um, the that wasn't the paddle would have been great. But I sat in Melvin Bailey's office, and he had these big blue eyes, and he had these glasses that magnified how how blue his eyes were and I'm sitting at his desk and Eric had already been in there and he came out and I didn't hear any swats or anything like that so I was like this may be my lucky day and so I went in and I sat down and Melvin Bailey never touched the paddle but he sat down and he looked at me and he he said I really don't understand this and he said Dan, you're a leader in the school, you're a captain of the basketball team, and you're part of the student body. And he he said this, he says, you know better than this. And so what crushed me was that he said that I knew better than that and that I could not deny because I did. And so his expectations for me were greater than my own. If I had expectations upon myself like that, it would be too much of a weight for me to carry. Agreed? So as a young teenager, a lot of times we don't want any more weight than we have to carry. And so I was no different than anyone else. And so I left, and I did get suspended from school for two days. And I was very, very broken over it, and, uh, but luckily he had mercy on me because I did apologize and I did agree with what he said and I humbled myself before him. So he had mercy and didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me grace that day. And it it made an impact on me for the long term for the rest of my high school career and it changed how I reacted and it certainly changed how I looked at, at my principal of the high school. And so today, the, what we're going to look at is, is Ahab. King Ahab was the king of Israel. And um, we'll go through the scriptures here in a moment. And there's so much in, in 1 Kings, and I recommend that you read this um, sometime this week, this month before it's gone out of your head. Read this and, and read and, and review the life of, of King Ahab and Elijah and jezebel and how this all fits but today i want to talk about the three personalities you know jesus uh, uh, the lord says that from the overflow of the heart does the mouth speak right and so so there also from the overflow of the heart do our actions lay before us right it's not what goes in a man's mouth but what comes out that defiles him so god's thinking is a lot different than ours and so as we look at these three people I want you to focus on or look at your own heart in introspect. So Elijah was the prophet of the time, and King Ahab uh, was in position at that time. So let's turn. Let's turn to uh, Kings, First uh, Kings, sixteen, verse twenty-nine. Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. And then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Now, Elijah was the prophet at the time, like I said. And this gives you a background of of Ahab who came into power in the 38th year of King Asa. King Asa ruled over Judah. At this time, the 12 tribes were split into 10 and 2 because of Solomon's sin. And the temple was not built because it was not built by King David, but rather by Solomon because of David's sin. And so the traveling on or the handing on of sin... Uh, and, and generations later, we see what, what is going on with Ahab. And finally, we've gotten to the point of Ahab just being totally um, disregarding um, the statutes of the holy, one, true and living God. And so our hearts are no different than, than King Ahab. We can become so hard-hearted with our sin that we can eventually ignore the statutes of our Lord. And even though one day we purpose in our hearts to please God and we are fervent after him, we can, over time, become hardened and disregard his statutes. And so, therefore, it's necessary for us to reestablish our covenant with him. So, Elijah was the prophet. So, you know what the fun job was that he had to go before the king and, and reveal to him what the Lord had put on his heart. So the Lord had overseen all these things going on with Israel at the time and the hardness of their hearts over decades and decades going on. And so finally, he sent Elijah to King Ahab. God always has a plan and he rarely does it the way that we would. In fact, never does he do it the way that we would. Gail Irwin always says, oh, but if I was God, I would have done it this way, right? I would have cut their heads off. And then they would have all straightened up, right? Off with their heads. But no, God says, I'll be patient, and I will show myself mighty, a way that we wouldn't do it. Our tolerance level would be filled, and then we would make something happen to get this out of our sight. But God does not operate the way that we do. He operates in a much higher level than we do. His ways are higher than ours, amen? So Elijah was to bring the message Um, he was to bring the message to uh, Ahab that there was going to be a drought to come. And you know what it is, how dangerous it is when when you come to the king with bad news, right? And so in this scripture, we see that not only did Ahab disregard God's statutes, another statute was that he married um, a Sidonian. So he married Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is the other character in, in, in this Time frame that we're going to look at. And again, we're focusing on the persons, right? The three people involved is all we're focusing on, not the stories or anything like that, but rather the reactions that they have to what God directs. So Jezebel represents a person who was born with her heart set against God and would never hear the truth of God. In fact, she finds joy in disgracing the lord because she views the god of israel as one who threatens that she would never get what she desires so don't we get threatened whenever we don't get what we want when we want something we don't want something to stand in the way and that's exactly the picture of jezebel but when we're used to getting our way our ears get smaller and we do not hear god's word anymore because we get our way and we continue to want to get our way. And if we submit to God, then we're more than likely not going to get our way. Amen? So when a person's heart gets bent the way that it is with Jezebel, uh, she could have been one who submitted, but, but God allowed you know, her characteristics to be used in this so that you and I could talk about it today. You, you all know a Jezebel. The minute that you speak the name Jesus... You can see that they recoil, that they're disgusted, and then they will come back. It could be in two hours. It could be two days. It could be two weeks. And make sure that you understand fully where their heart is at. They don't want to hear any more of this Jesus talk or God talk, right? You know those people. That's Jezebel. And she would stop at no length, no treachery in order to get her way. So that's the picture of Jezebel. And notice that she is is the wife of Ahab. Now, who's the most important um, person in a man's life? Besides Jesus, right? Besides Jesus, who is the most important being that a man has in his life? Mike. His wife. Really? Are you sure? Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because every conversation that you have, like it or not, You're going to have, you're going to talk about that with your wife. And your wife is going to say, are you sure, honey? And she's going to check. You know, do you believe that's what the Lord's telling you? You know, if she's a good wife, that's what she's going to be saying. Or she's going to say, are you sure? Because that doesn't line up with me getting, you know, a Jaguar. You know, so, so, so there's many, many motivations. Now, you pray for your wife to have the proper motivation, but poor Ahab did not have the wife that had the proper motivation. She was well aware that she was going to live a number of years and she was going to amass as much as she could and enjoy as much of this life as she could, which is clearly what God instructed us and warned us about, right? This world is temporary, but the hope that we have in Christ is eternity. So it doesn't matter how temporary this life is because we're to be eternally focused, And what that does is that gives us the gifts of the Spirit when we focus on it. It gives us peace and patience and kindness and mercy because we trust in our God like Elijah did. Now, Elijah was a a man well used of God because he simply walked with God and he talked with God and he was humble before him. When God said, go do this, he went and did. When God said, wait, He waited. Now, why did he do that? It was because he loved him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. It sounds simpler than what it is, doesn't it? Because Jesus was not satisfied with us just saying yes, yes. Instead, he said, okay, if you love me, then do this. If you love me, you'll obey me. And so, again, that causes me to check my heart. Because there are several Scriptures that come to mind that cause me to really, really, really search deep in there and challenges me. So we see as, as Elijah um, comes before before God, uh, he simply humbles himself. So let's go to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah, was, who was from Tishba in, in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God that I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So notice that Elijah... Speaks to King Ahab. He says, um, he says, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, mind you, he's speaking to the king. What is the king used to giving? Kings used to giving the word, correct? But what is the word? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The one who has the most powerful word is our Lord. Amen. So he tells Elijah, and Elijah says, not until I say, O king. And then God says, flee. So God shelters him. So the relationship that Elijah has with God is one that don't worry about the the details. Don't worry about your life because your life is eternal. Right? This is a picture of what Jesus has done in our lives right now. Right now, if you're a believer in Christ today, you do not have to worry about eternity whatsoever. Again, it's easier said than done because there's all these cares of the world that we get entangled with, and that's not God's desire for us. So here we are as a church, and we have to help each other learn how to do that by counsel. Like, so, like a sheepfold, we all come together on Sunday, and we talk about life, and we talk about the problems that we're running into, and hopefully God has strengthened Ron so that he can explain to me that he went through this two years ago and that it's okay, right? That's how we're to interact as a family and and the, the unity that comes from that shows that we love one another because we have each other's concern and we esteem others higher than ourselves, right? These are all instructions from the Lord. Again, they're all easier said than done. It takes an effort. And like Daniel, we have to purpose in our hearts to please God. That's what we have to do. That's our job. If we love Him, we'll obey Him. So, if we love God, we'll purpose in our hearts to do what is pleasing. And so, if God says, Feed my sheep, then Pastor Tim, if he loves the Lord, then he's going to feed this body. This body of sheep right here. Us. Right? So, that's the instruction. He does it through the Lord, our Savior Jesus. Okay? So, So the instruction is given um, uh, to the king, and of course he does not like this. And so Elijah is used so greatly at this point. So what God did was he may have took a little bit of dung and he threw it right in the face of the king and then stepped back. And the Lord is letting Jezebel and Ahab start to boil. And this affects all of Israel, okay? It affected all of Israel so much that it's recorded in the book that we're reading today. To this very day, God has preserved this story so that you and I can read from it and, and learn the lessons from it that we need to in our lives. So Elijah and, to, with the help of his wife, uh, Jezebel, set out to kill Elijah. So I'm not going to go through all this story, but you've got to read it. You really need to read the account of Elijah in 1 in, in Kings. And to, to make it short, Elijah was even, just like we will be, the Lord made a special provision and took Elijah up to heaven. If you're saved today, you believe in the Lord, he will be back and he will take you and all the rest of the church away to heaven. Understand that? Everybody good with that? If you're a believer today, you don't have to worry about anything else. I promise you that. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, you are saved. Eternity is in your hands now. No matter what the world does, you are safe because you placed your trust in the Lord. All right. None shall come to the Father but by me. So if you place all of your trust in Jesus Christ, you're saved, and this world has no power over you. Amen? Okay. So Elijah um, was used, and he ended up, uh, there was a contest, and and you'll see that in chapter 18 if you read this. There was a contest. There was 450 of these false prophets. Elijah came in, and he said, okay, I'll have a contest. My God is real, your God is not. You worship Baal, he's a false God. Right? He's a false God. So he says, he says bring two bulls. One bull on your I'll Build an altar here, build, build an altar here. Put a bull here, put a bull there. Let's start stacking the wood up. If your God's real, you start a fire. If my God's real, I'll start a fire. So Elijah said, go ahead. 450 false prophets of Baal chanting and doing whatever they had to do and they start. So they're trying to make this altar burn. All right? So all the people are standing around watching this. And here's Elijah, right? He he's he's confident because the Lord has spoken to his heart and he's relying 100%. There's no power in him to make this happen. True? Okay. So he says He says, I'm going to trust in my God, and that's the example that he's setting for us. Again, Elijah is a picture of us as a believing Christian, right? Ahab is the picture of the person who knew better but chose not to, right? Jezebel is the hard-hearted woman who would not hear anything and will, will go to her grave without knowing the Lord because she could not bear to give up her own life. Now, so here you have it. The two altars, they're dancing for hours and hours, and Elijah's even making fun of them. What's your God doing? Is he on the restroom? Is he, is he on a break? Did he go on vacation? Where's your God? He's not started this fire. So when it finally gives up on him, he, says, he comes over, and he says, he says, here we go. I'll tell you what. We've got the altar, the bull, the wood, everything for the fire, and I'm going to take it one step farther. He says, pour water all over the, the, the sacrifice. Pour water all over the altar. And make it that much harder. That's how much I believe in my God. And so what happens? Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, Elijah <laughs> cries out and he says, Oh my God. And so he calls upon his God. God strikes lightning down on it and burns it, right? And so then there was panic. The people saw that Elijah's God was real. Just like he had said, just like Ahab knew, he had access to all the libraries. He had access to all this, especially as king. He could bring the scribes and have people. He could sit down and have people come and read to him if he wanted. Read it to me. Read read God's law. But he chose not to. He knew. I promise you that he knew. Okay? He knew, but he chose not to. Right? He chose not to do what God wanted, but rather turned his heart against him. So once this happened and the lightning struck and the altar had caught on fire, there was panic among the people. Elijah seized all 450 of the priests and killed them. So the scripture that we started out with today was the account of when Ahab went home and told Jezebel, right? So Jezebel blew up and and, and so they were set out to kill Elijah. So long story short, Elijah uh, had brought... Ahab, he he had come to, let's go to 1 Kings 21. So at this point, Elijah is an enemy to Jezebel and and Ahab, right? And so Ahab had not stopped and Jezebel had not stopped. And they'd done several other things that were an abomination in God's eyes. But in verse 20, you see where Ahab and Elijah come together again. <clears throat> and he says, Eli, uh, Ahab says, So, my enemy, you have found me. Yes, Elijah answered, I have come because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you, I will destroy every one of your male descendants. Slave and free alike anywhere in Israel. I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of uh, Basha, son of Ahijah, for you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. Verse 25 says, no one else so completely sold himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols just as the Amorites had done. The people whom the Lord had driven out of the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed up in burlap and fasted. He even slept in burlap and he went out in deep mourning. And then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. And before, before we read this message, You understand that no one had created such abominations as Ahab, right? Is that clear in that text? So that is no little magnitude. And what I want you to see is that God had been witnessing about his own power to Ahab the whole time, and he was using Elijah. God was giving a message to Ahab for his good or for his bad, for his good right so God gave his only son that none should perish true that's the heart and nature of God the father that none would perish but he gave us free will so Ahab has this dilemma he saw that 400 of his false prophets just got murdered right in front of his eyes right so he saw that the fire never came up on his side of the of the fence right but he saw the one true and living God struck down lightning and that altar came up in flames even after being, having water poured on it. Amazing. So what that was was a witness of God's strength and might and who He was. There is no other God. Amen? There is no other God. He was the one who said, here you go. You think you got a God? It's a piece of wood or stone. It's something I made You took a creation and you tried to make it a creator, which is impossible. Amen? So here is God trying to get the attention of Ahab, and he finally did. He finally did. So let's look at this, verse 28. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. Again, God doesn't do things the way that you and I would probably want to. Did Ahab deserve death? Sure. Have we deserved death? Mm -hmm. There's only ten commandments Right? The Ten Commandments that were brought down from Mount Sinai. And, <clears throat> man, I've broken a lot of those ten. And, and if it's broken down to what I've done in my heart, I've probably broken all of them, if I'm really honest. And so this is what's amazing, is God said to Elijah, Elijah is a godly man, but he said, Did you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? So he's asking Elijah, and of course, Elijah's like, yes, I did, Lord. Much like the story of Jonah, right? Jonah knew God so well that he knew that if he went to Tarshish, <laughs> that, that uh, I'm sorry, uh, what's the tale? He went to Tarshish to the ship. Uh, Nineveh. Nineveh, those fish slappers. So, so, veggie tales, sorry. So, so Jonah knew God so well that he would forgive them of anything, and we see the same picture. All right? So what I do as a person, all right, so what I do is I think, oh, my goodness, I'm so horrible. How could God ever forgive me? God recorded this so that you and I could talk about it today. There is nothing that you have done in your life that God sees in you as unworthy, that can make you unworthy of God's salvation. If there is an ounce of doubt in your heart or your head, I want you to remove it today. If we've done anything today, I pray that God allows us to erase this from your hearts or your minds and increases your faith in God tenfold and takes away your doubt. I know full-heartedly that I doubt myself. But God's proven to me time and time again over my life that I don't have to doubt Him. Let me say this again. He gave us an example in Ahab that you don't have to worry about how great your sin has ever been from this time forward. Ahab humbled himself, right? There's instruction in the New Testament that if we turn from our sin and confess that God is faithful to forgive us and restore us to righteousness. And he does this through Christ, right? He's faithful. He's faithful when we're not. He was faithful to Israel whenever Ahab was not. He caused Israel to sin as a nation before God, and Israel was the jewel. We see Israel as the shining light to a dark world that now is not. What's the shining light in in the dark world? It's us. It's what he is in our hearts. His kingdom is in our hearts So now since they were unruly and were not allowed to shine God's truth to the whole world at this time until the Lord says, right now we're the light in the darkness, right? And what do we have to do to to make that light shine? Abide in the Lord. We have to stay close to Him, and we have to live within the shadow of the Almighty and not get too far out away from the sheepfold because we'll get picked off by the enemy. We stay close to him where his power is. And then the, the enemies are defeated before us. Just like Elijah went before the king without any fear. The king could not do anything. It's Just like Jesus told Pilate. He said, you can do nothing if my Lord doesn't allow it. Right? Elijah was in the same scenario. You and I are in the same scenario. The world can do nothing to us Unless the Lord allows it. And then if that be it, if, that, if that's so, then the Lord gives and the, the Lord takes away. Amen? Because the minute that we pass away from this life, we're in the presence of God. Now, that's got to be better than having a nice house and, and an estate and servants and, and, and then still being scared to death that, well, I might die tomorrow because I don't have any, any faith in God, so I have, I have no storage up in anything eternal. I'm only going to live 70 or 80 years. Right? So what's more valuable? What God's done eternally? Right. So, so Ahab um, is the picture of the one who knew better. He had all the resources at his fingertips, much like we do. And so he's really the one that I want to look at. Elijah is the picture of of the the saved Christian, the one who's committed or purposed in his heart to serve God with all that he has because he knows that eternity is there. So the fiery chariot comes when Elisha is about to take over for Elijah in 2 Kings. And the chariot sweeps by and splits Elisha and Elijah. And as the chariot goes by, Elijah is caught up in the whirlwind of a fiery chariot and taken to heaven. That is a picture of us in Christ Jesus. We're going to be taken up in heaven with him. Amen? All right. Jezebel suffers a loss. Right? Jezebel suffers a serious loss because she doesn't have anything. This is the picture that we have uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 1 one eighteen. It's so true, and if you pay attention for the rest of your life when you speak to people, you'll know, Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit, right? And so, when you have conversations with someone, keep this in mind. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing or headed to destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. What Jesus did on the cross was took, for example, everything that Ahab did and turned it into something good. Now, Ahab still died. Ahab, sadly, had a life that he looked back on. I'm sure when he, was in the, when he came into the presence of God, he said, wow, I could have done things so much differently. If I would have just walked humbly with my gun like Elijah, I would have been proud of my life but instead I was angry and I was foul and I was selfish and I was conceited and arrogant and I consumed things only for myself and I didn't care what my parents told me. I was insolent. I was disgusting before the sight of my God. And yet God said, did you see how He humbled Himself? Right? That was the picture. That was the... the, the example that jesus set before us jesus was nothing but humble right and so that's all we have to do is is pattern ourselves after jesus do the best that we can and trust in him because there's no work that we can do apart from him amen all right if you'd bow your heads father god we love you and lord there is nothing that we can do apart from you lord you have made a way lord that we can Come into your presence, God, by the blood of the cross. Lord, you became one of us that we might inherit your kingdom, God. And that when we die, we can be in your presence, God. There's nothing more exciting than that. And so, uh, Lord, uh, we we just give this, uh, this word. Lord, we pray that you would expand it um, in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray just like David that you would take this word and hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We pray, Lord, that you would take up more more territory of your kingdom in our hearts, God. Lord, that you might become greater and that we might become less, that we would humble ourselves before you and praise you as the one true living God. Lord, if there have been false gods in our hearts, Lord, if there have been places where we have worshipped anything else besides you and trusted in our own works, and our own abilities, Lord, done anything that would disgust you, God. We know that nothing is too great for you to look humbly or humble yourself uh, to look at us as we humble ourselves, God. You come to our level, and, and Lord, you cover our sin. Lord, we thank you for that because we are sinners. While our heads are bowed, um, if, if if God's Word is speaking to you today, and if there is something in your heart that is just not right, if you have doubted who God is or if you feel like you are not worthy of forgiveness, um, then I want you to go ahead and come up to the front today. Jesus said, if you stand for me before men, I will stand for you before my Father. Very simply put, if you step out in faith, I will catch you. So if there's anything that's unforgiven in your heart or if you feel like you've done something that's been too evil or too vile in your life and no one is going to know what it is, if there's any doubt, then I want you to give it up to the Lord right now. And if you feel the Lord pressing you, come up to the front. And again, if you've confessed it to the Lord in your heart, there's no need to talk about it, but I want you to give it up today. I want you to give it up if there's some baggage anything that is waiting your walk down let's cast it aside today amen father we thank you for this day we thank you that your word is planted in our hearts God we thank you for the gift of eternity we thank you that you have prepared a place for us if it were not so you would have told us and so Lord we pray that you would increase our faith 10 hundred. 500-fold, God, that we might walk in the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that you forgive things that we wouldn't forgive ourselves. We thank you, Lord, that you're greater and we are lesser. Lord, we want to serve you this day, and we thank you for your kindness in Jesus' name.